I believe that our personal reality, at least, if not the reality, you know, whatever the objective reality is, I believe our personal reality is a point of view and it's supported by beliefs, expectations, pattern matching, and uh, it's very easy for us to, to pull the rug on that. Hello and welcome to Unconsciously Speaking. My name is Anson Chen and thank you for listening. I was recently in London doing a course on hypnotherapy with our guest today, Anthony Jackwood. Anthony is without a doubt one of the world's finest hypnotists. He is also the author of Reality is Plastic, a really, really fantastic book on the subject of impromptu hypnosis. If you haven't read it, go check it out. And since so many of you asked me about the subject of hypnosis on Instagram and private messages, I thought I would do a podcast with him um, so that you guys can get some insights about what's going on in the world of a hypnotist. In this podcast, we talked about the applications of hypnosis in performance, in therapy work, and some of the crazy stories that Anthony encountered when it comes to doing hypnosis, both impromptu and in therapeutical settings. Towards the end of the podcast, we also shared some tips on how you can incorporate hypnosis in your own work, in your own life, either as a performer or as a therapist, or if you just want to incorporate self-hypnosis in your life. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you do too. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with all your friends. So for now, please welcome Anthony Jacquin. So you've been in hypnosis for many years. How did you get started? And what's your background? Well, in a nutshell, when I was at university, my dad, Freddie Jacquin, got interested, did a couple of courses, got qualified, was amazed by the results he was getting and introduced me to it, handed me a bunch of materials and I had a go. This was pure therapy, but I managed to help a couple of people quit smoking and someone else unleash creatively in a in a recording studio. So I was hooked. And I went full time into hypnotherapy in 2001. I was lucky. I got busy straight away. This was generally brief solution focused interventions, helping people get over their habits, let go of their fears, tap into their resources. I've seen maybe 5,000 plus people in that regard. After a few years of that, I started developing an interest in not, not so much being a performer, although I became a performer to, to satisfy my curiosity, but just exploring some of the possibilities that performing hypnotists seem to illustrate night after night. By that I mean cognitive effects, people forgetting their name, people hallucinating post-hypnotic suggestions that people respond to automatically after you know decent periods of time. So I developed an interest and my route into performing was mentalism. Right. You know, 
Darren Brown had appeared in the UK. It managed to convince every hypnotherapist out there that he was maybe doing the same stuff they were. Right. I'm not sure that he was, but, um, you know, his brilliance, which continues to shine, was an inspiration to me. And uh, then I realized, oh, there's a whole world of kind of playing mind games for entertainment purposes. And uh, that helped me, gave me a little stepping stone into performance. So yes, I've done the traditional stage hypnosis performance, but I've also had the opportunity to do this, you know, off stage in the real world, what became known as street hypnosis. Right. And that's when you and your partner started head hacking at a time. Is that yeah, right? I, I wrote a book called Reality is Plastic, the Art of Impromptu Hypnosis. Uh-huh. Uh, that book, for whatever reason, was very popular with magicians, mentalists, mystery performers of one kind and another. We started a company called Head Hacking. It's uh, dissolved now, but, you know, in maybe 2007, 2008, I think we started that. <clears throat> maybe maybe a little later. Um, and we started just by sharing the secrets of hypnosis with magicians, mentalists, and other mystery performers. We then branched out teaching a curious public about how to do that. We ran courses all over the world. Um, head hacking is is no more, but you know hypnosis is still very much my business. I also teach hypnosis and hypnotherapy one to one, but also with my father, um, and that continues to this day. I provide consultancy on projects where hypnosis can play a part, either visibly or invisibly, and um, it's still absolutely fascinates me that with words we can essentially change someone's personal reality in ways that beyond their imagination yeah and and in ways that i just haven't found anything else that that really you know even gets close so what kind of are the groundbreaking things that you've discovered when you kind of well you and a few other people pioneered the idea of I think impromptu hypnosis mm. or street hypnosis mm. that some would call so what are kind of like the limiting beliefs that other people were having or like what kind of what were the groundbreaking okay. things <clears throat> well uh, people vary in their responsiveness to hypnosis to, to suggestion and I guess the traditional stage act, which had not really changed much in a couple of hundred years, you know, it's a numbers game. There is a comfort in having an audience in front of you and knowing that a, albeit a reasonably small percentage of that audience, will be highly hypnotizable and can become the stars of your show. So one of the things that impromptu uh, encouraged us to do was find a way of delivering this, performing this for one person, for a table of people, for a small cabaret, you know, that that kind of thing. We just found a way forward. So that that, that was one thing. Um, there's a debate in the world of hypnosis about the nature of the thing itself. And there are certainly some people who believe that, you know, the, the therapeutic context or a stage context is part of what helps things along. There's a social element to it no doubt there is a social element to it but we were doing this again impromptu 
there were no cameras, there was no audience, there was no one to play up to. Yeah, in bars, restaurants. In bars, restaurants, and um, just you know, randomly all over the place on airplanes, in the queue for security, in the airport, wherever. <laughs> wait, 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 let's uh, stop for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop for a second. What did you do at the airport? Well, it just comes up, you know. Inevitably, it comes up. I'll tell you one story about... Um, my friend Amit Badiani. So, you know, one of the little fantasies most hypnotists have is that you could just Obi-Wan Kenobi this stuff. You could just drop a sentence uh-huh. and create an effect. And um, it seems you can. I mean, certainly, <laughs> <laughs> certainly you can. <laughs> so one time Amit was going to Poland. He was on a stag do. And on the way out, he'd bought a bottle of, a large bottle of vodka. He didn't drink it when he was there. So he wanted to bring this large bottle of vodka back. And obviously there's more liquid than you're allowed to get through security because we have limitations on that uh, in airports. So his his friend actually was ahead of Amit and was carrying the bag with, with the booze in. And Amit could see his friend was stuck having a slight altercation back and forward with this, with the person. You know, it's not open. This, I bought it in this airport. You know, what's the problem? And um, Amit just walked up and went, slammed his hand down and just went, stop. The person like froze. He said, you're not interested in that vodka. You can just let him through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just waved him on. So it's just one odd example, but um, <laughs> you know, someone else early on was was doing this. We had another favourite target, which were people who were collecting signatures and trying to sign you up to charities in the street, that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there was another guy I was still in touch with, and it's one of his early successes. He was going to meet his friends at the train station on the way. He managed to hypnotise one of these charity chuggers, as we affectionately called them, charity <laughs> muggers. Okay. And um, just said, should you ever see me again, you know, whatever I say will become your reality. Just gave him a line like that. And um, went and found his friends, walked back through the same part of town, got caught up with this, this person again. They're obviously trying to sign him up. And he just looked at him and said, you're not interested in speaking to us anymore. And the guy was like, I'm not interested in speaking to you anymore. You're just going to wave us on our way. Waved him on our way. So these, these things sound crazy. But, um, you know, the, I guess one of the weirdest things about hypnosis is the deeper you get into it, the more it starts to look like normal life. Mm-hmm. The more you start to recognize suggestion is everywhere. Um, our expectations, the fact that we seem to be some sort of pattern matching machine, when we when we deviate from these patterns, you know, leaves us open to, to experiences that can seem absolutely out of the ordinary. Um, that that's 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 just where I'm at with it. The more the more the deeper I go, the thinner the materials it might be made of seem to get. And the more it starts to look like life is hypnosis. Right. And one of the biggest lessons I learned from you is the idea that everything is a suggestion. Right. This is kind of like the fundamental, one of the fundamental truths from your work. Right. Yeah. 
And I think that the importance of that stems from one of the arguments of the state versus non-state kind of debate yeah. that's been go ongoing in hypnosis, like yeah. whether or not a trans state or a hypnotic state mm. actually exists. So mm. what what's your thinking behind that? Or can you just like go through like a little bit of both? Um, yes, to, to, to keep it as brief as I can, as you said, there is an academic debate. And, you know, practitioners like to dive into it too. So the nature of hypno hypnosis itself, I guess the consensus consensus view for a long, long time was that hypnosis is some is best described as some kind of state. It's a special state. It's a trance state. It's an altered state. And in this special state, you become more receptive to suggestion, highly responsive, more suggestible. The science has mostly undone that. There is no unique neural signature that is hypnotized. Your brain activity certainly changes when you're given suggestions. So there's also a, non, a range of non-state views of hypnosis. They're not anti-hypnosis. They're not saying it doesn't exist. They're simply saying that we don't need a special state as a prerequisite for the uptake and the automatic response to suggestions. The state, the reason it looks like a special state, the reason people appear to go into a trance state is because that is what is either suggested by the hypnotist or that is what culture has suggested. Their expectations their ex and beliefs. Their expectations. If I were hypnotized, I'd become deeply relaxed. So, of course, that's what most performers and therapists alike seem to suggest. Relax, go even deeper. However, that's... It's fun, it's useful, it can be recuperative, but it's not a necessity. You can be upbeat, fired up, walking down a corridor, climbing into a cage, and still be responsive to suggestion. So, again, the, the notion that you become more responsive, actually, the way it appears to me, you know, my experience suggests, no, you, you have an innate level of responsiveness to suggestion. What a hypnotist is doing is appealing to that. And because you're not necessarily aware just quite how responsive you may be, uh, you know, you just call it life or you call it, well, I feel things. Right. But a hypnotist appeals to what's there and then turns that in a particular direction. So to me, this makes hypnosis more accessible. Um, it should certainly make it more accessible to the medical community because one of the things that seems to put off the medical community, aside from the lack of consensus about exactly what it is, is this notion of going into a special state or a trance state. Um, it sounds like something we have to manage. There's a great deal of variability of people's capacity to imagine around that notion itself. Whereas if we just recognize that everything a doctor is saying to you, the environment, the nurse, everything that is there is having an impact on your reality right now, then we can be, uh, you know, not just more mindful of what we're suggesting, but we can begin to quite actively, you know, give more useful suggestions to, to people. So, um, Yes, the debate continues, although in my opinion, if we read, you know, c 
contemporary science, and there's plenty of it. There mm-hmm. are uh, several international journals. There's lots of decently controlled, peer-reviewed experiments that happen now. I think there is a move toward what you might describe as a more cognitive, behavioural view of hypnosis that acknowledges some of the social factors, um, but essentially does away with the notion of a, a special state. Right. It doesn't in any way make it less powerful. Let's just Absolutely put it that way. Not. Right. So what are the things that could be cured, so to say, by hypnotherapy? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and avoid the word cure, but um, I guess that's what a lot of people want, and that's how they conceive of being free of a problem. Right. Okay? I guess one of the most dramatic and actually the most well-researched and evidence-based uh, effects of hypnotic suggestion is our capacity to relieve or eliminate chronic pain. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've had a chronic pain, it doesn't seem to matter too much whether there's something mechanical there or not. Chronic pain, by definition, if you like, is pain that's outlived its usefulness. It's no longer acute. It's no longer sending an alarm to, you know, get away from the the thing that's causing the pain. Instead, it's just reliably there. And there are many conditions that, you know, have pain as a component. Uh, my dad is is particularly good at helping people relieve pain, and often this happens in minutes. Uh, you know, he has a technique of his own called the arrow technique, which is proved to be a very effective way of changing our relationship to pain. And when it's gone, it often stays gone. So that is quite remarkable. Something else that there's a strong evidence base for is perhaps uh, you know. Uh, not the most interesting application, but it is for the people with the problem, is irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. There was a, a big research study funded you know, within the NHS in the UK a few years back and uh, by um, oh, her surname now, poor Helen, but I know her well, Helen, uh, who did this study. She just used words with people who had you know, a strong diagnosis of IBS, 100% of the people who went through her program had significant relief, 80% had all of their symptoms disappear. This is remarkable for something yeah. that, you know, um, again, people kind of very much think is a, a physical condition. Um, so, you know, that's just a, a couple of things you can do my day job is to point this at many other things and maybe the evidence base is not quite as strong for PTSD, for anxiety, for uh, habits. But my, 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 my anecdotal experience is that all of these things can change and often disappear completely, you know, with one or two sessions of hypnosis. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. So, um, how do you see the state of mental health people are having in the contemporary society, or and what do you, how do you see the future of mental health? Well, um, if we look at the statistics, you know, whether it's regard to the percentage of people who have been diagnosed with a mental health condition, 
the number of people who are experiencing you know acute levels of stress or anxiety uh, as well as you know the fact that one in ten people in their life is likely to have a phobia you know we have an aging population who are likely to experience pain there are there is an endless amount of, of issues to deal with where it's going i think and this is you know a more positive note is that as much as we hypnotists and hypnotherapists like to think that you know our personality plays a crucial factor there's plenty of studies to show that you know a recording of a session is just as good right we've now got wearable devices that give very real feedback about whether your anxiety levels have been reduced they can calibrate much more effectively you're playing with that muse too is that right yeah so muse but vr i'm working on a couple of projects that essentially use bio and neurofeedback into vr applications um that are going to be the future you're just going to be able to plug in and choose your state change your state it's it's right there the technology's right there but the other thing that i think is really interesting is the revival of just audio applications things like siri and alexa are the clues they're pointing the way you know for a while everyone's been diving more and more deeply into video and vr and you know super high-tech edgy stuff the fact is audio is everywhere again and you've got audios that can adapt and be personalized based on where you are in the moment so i expect to see more and more of these applications on call i expect you to be able to ask alexa you know alexa i'm stressed you know take it away um yeah why not well it's kind of already there some people are already doing it and they're getting you know thousands and thousands of, of of listens so it's kind of already there but I just think it's going to get more and more refined and, uh, you know, as well as telling, you know, our social media applications what we're doing and how we're feeling, they're going to start to know how we're feeling as long as we're wearing, you know, that watch or that device, whatever else it happens to be. So I just think more and more of this is going to become automated. Um, so your your experience with Muse, I, I know you play with Muse. Yeah has been positive and you, you think it works i think muse is a fantastic device um i've got a couple of friends who are you know kind of advanced yogis and you know they they may question you know just just how far you can get in terms of your uh meditative or contemplative practice with a muse device but they're generally positive about the fact that it gives you feedback it, it, it rewards you that's what we want these days so yeah i think muse is a is a fantastic device and um it's a route into uh, you know using bio and neurofeedback i mean it's been around a long time that kind of stuff even uh, you know the skin galvanizing response thing you can wear on your finger i guess people have had that stuff since the 70s the point is this technology is now like lab grade technology and mm -hmm. it's cheap it can be built into devices if you check out the latest vr goggles these are taking all sorts of measurements they know your pulse rate they know your pupil size it's like there's mad stuff going on 
um, and it just seems inevitable to me that, that that's the way things are going. I think it's a positive uh, step. Let's take the therapist out of the equation. Let's escape the therapy frame and let's just recognize that your personal reality is a convenient fiction and it's in flux. It only seems solid and reliable and real because you're doing the same thing with the same patterns of behavior and the same patterns of thought. Whether it's a friend or a therapist or a pair of VR goggles that encourages you to shake that up, you're going to see pretty quickly that your personal experience, the way you turn up, how you engage with life um, can be changed. There's, there's, there's research dating back to the late 70s, but it continues right now, showing how with very, very simple suggested uh, changes, we can affect our immune response. We can affect the, our digestive system. You don't even need a person involved. We are responding to what's written on the label. Right. Um, I sh told you about this uh, studies by Crum and their team. You know, they're just giving people a milkshake. Whether it says on that milkshake, you know, this is a fatty, sugary, luxury milkshake, or this is a healthy, sugar-free, fat-free milkshake, has an immediate impact on your digestive system. That's, the suggestion is everywhere. You know, there's a reason we like our favorite brands. It's not necessarily because they're different or better. It's just perception is is changed by what's on the label. And that is kind of the core thinking behind reality's plastic, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest, when I first spat that out and, and chose that as the title of my book I didn't know um, how deep <laughs> that could pull me in but that is how I feel I believe that our personal reality at least if not the reality you know whatever the objective reality is I believe our personal reality is a point of view and it's supported by beliefs expectations pattern matching and uh, it's very easy for us to to pull the rug on that you know magicians do it all the time right and uh, we may do it for fun and amusement but we can just as easily do that to you know enhance or just you know create novel experiences as much as anything else yeah so yeah that's it's endless. I mean, if anything, you know, I, I'm a big advocate for people looking at hypnosis. I, I don't think this should be the preserve of therapists or doctors or dentists or uh, stage performers. Everyone, whether they whether they wish to then continue to call it hypnosis or not, right? Who who is in a position to influence someone, coach someone? has the well-being of themselves or someone else you know at, at heart should be aware that with plain english simple words no special state required they can change that person's experience and, and do good things with it so um is that kind of what you're venturing out to do as well in terms of 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't written a... Influence training yeah, and... Yeah, to be honest, the... Once you get your head around hypnosis, I sometimes warn people, you know, like you, I know you've been looking at this for some time now, but I may well have warned you when we first discussed right. this subject that once you get into this, it's going to attach itself to anything else yeah. that you're interested in. It really has. You know, it, it's it's impossible to, to, to ignore whether you're into sales, influence, persuasion, whether you're into sport, performance, uh, you know, peak experiences whether you're into um, meditation you know it, it doesn't matter this is going to be part of that once you're aware of it it's a transparent technology that can take any shape and it's relatively easy to learn the basics are kind of all you need of course we can spend a lifetime refining it and uh, you know, getting more nuanced in our application, but you can learn how to hypnotize very quick. You can verify for yourself, you know, this is a thing, <laughs> you know, by, by lunchtime of day one of a, of a decent training. And y you can spend a lifetime then thinking about, well, where can I, where can I apply this? It certainly makes you more aware of your, the language you're going to use in, relationships and the language you're going to use as we as you speak to yourself you know just recognizing that most of that in a dialogue is automatic it, it it's often mistaken for thinking but it's not really thinking it's just a repeated it's, loop it's of just sound a, it's just a loop it's just your brain's noise but we do seem to have the option of changing the tape testing out some other stuff creating another automatic loop and um it, that that in itself you know is worth playing with that I, yeah i agree i think hypnosis is definitely something that has kind of spread across all walks of life for me in terms of my personal relationships in terms of my my work my magic fortune telling any any of these practices it becomes very apparent what the role of hypnosis and that kind of understanding and thinking lies. Yeah. Um, so if people, one of the questions I get the most is actually, where do I learn this? Where can I mm -hmm. learn hypnosis? Mm. And usually on Instagram, I just go at HH addict, <laughs> which yeah. I think you can provide a lot more information. In that case, maybe I should occasionally put an advert on on my Instagram page. Um, but look, you know, there there's an abundance of resources. When I got into it, there were like a couple of books. Um, now there's an abundance of resources. My little book is a good route into it. If oh, you're the if, if you're curious about it, it has a good reputation for getting people started in a practical way because I studiously avoid committing to any uh, any academic theory in there just saying this is what I do, try this. So that book is called Reality is Plastic. It's available on Audible, Amazon or from my website which is anthonyjackwin.com. If you have an interest in therapeutic applications, um, and there's a whole bunch of products on in, in a shop on my website, but I also run a training academy with my father, which is jackwinhypnosisacademy.com. Um, that website is about to be transformed into an 
online training platform. So everything we teach on our pro hypnotherapy courses right through to, you know, weekend workshops will be, uh, you know, available to be to be streamed. It's all there. It's all there, absolutely. Everything you need is there. But the main thing is... Um, get something you know like my book or a dvd from someone and and get the basics begin that's kind of my mantra when it comes to learning hypnosis start today Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait to be an expert you you will get responses straight away i remember when i first shared this stuff with you yeah um and i was just about to leave and you suddenly took it upon yourself to begin a conversation tell someone you're a hypnotist and off it went and um you know you've done this hundreds and hundreds of times since and i know from our conversations it's still revealing itself it's still surprising you it still baffles us both you know the nature of the responses you get but there's no point waiting to be in a position where you couldn't fail or it may not work. The It'll fact, never happen. Yeah, it's just um, the nature of this is that it's a collaborative effort between you and somebody else's imagination. You are, in a sense, more of a guide than than a, than a ringmaster. We can make it look whatever way we wish, but the reality is hypnosis is collaborative. The way I'd put it is... It has the potential to create non-volitional experiences. So in that sense, not to wrap people up in words here, but in that sense, hypnosis is a consensual non-volitional experience. It's going to show you that you can begin to relate to your own experiences. Uh, you You can let go of the sense of control and you can see spontaneous spontaneous behaviors emerging and again i don't think this is radically different from life itself it's just we go round most of the time with a clear sense that we are in control yeah but go further you know go there right now if you would simply put your hand in the air right now, like you're going to ask a question in class, let your wrist relax so your hand is kind of hanging there, and look at it. Just look at it like you've never looked at it before. And if your inner mind is willing to give you this experience, that hand will move. That hand will move. It may be a finger twitches, it may be a muscle response, it may shake, vibrate. For some of you it may even turn at the wrist. Just be patient. And then recognise you can use that inner voice and tell it to increase that signal. See what happens. I wonder if it could even begin to turn that hand towards your face. Like your head is a magnet. Your hand is a magnet. I don't know. That's right. Like it's being pulled round on an invisible wire. Now again, just give that hand a shake. Bring it back into its normal state. And recognise 
I don't know if it's going to be a minute from now, an hour from now, or a week from now, when you look back to now and realize every negative thought and limiting belief that you or anyone else ever placed on you lifted, dissolved, disappeared. But you can be curious about exactly when that happens. Now learn to use that inner voice of yours to direct your inner experience. Recognize is listening. Your creative mind, your unconscious is not self-employed. It just works autonomously most of the time. But when you tell it to do something different, it does that. Thank you very much, Anthony. That's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. So that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it to as many friends as you can and subscribe to this podcast. Your support is really appreciated. And if you have any feedback or comments, please do not hesitate to get in touch at ansonchgn18. That's my Instagram, or you can write me an email, ansonchgn at sinchen0131 at me.com, me.com. I will see you next month.